Welcome, welcome back to the QC Hornets Nest, the podcast powered by the Charlotte Observer. I'm your host and resident beat writer, Rod Boone. This is your place to get all the latest buzz, news, and nuggets on the Charlotte Hornets. I'll be telling you stories other shows won't and give you inside access other shows can't. This week's ep, I'm joined by Steve Clifford. The Hornets coach offers up a few minutes to discuss how much his team needs this all-star break, the biggest improvement he's seen from LaMelo Ball in his third year, who, if anybody, has surprised him this season, what he wants to see from his players during the final 22 games, and more. So you ready? Okay, let's go. Let's get it. As I wrote, mercifully, the first, not even half, two-thirds of the season for the Hornets is over. After the completion of Wednesday night's game against the Spurs, in which they were able to head into the break with a win and actually go in on a two-game winning streak, which, as we know, has been very rare for this team. They've only had successive wins a couple of times this year, which tells you all you need to know about where things stand. They are 17-43 and heading into the All-Star break, and they are essentially, as we know, um, among the bottom teams in the Eastern Conference, essentially just jockeying back and forth with Detroit to see who has the fewest amount of wins um, right now. But barring a miraculous winning streak here, the Hornets are going to be either 14th or 15th um, this season, it appears, in terms of where they finish the Eastern Conference, which um, is going to put them in the same category as the teenagers played San Antonio Spurs, who have 14 wins. And Houston Rockets, who have 13 wins. So definitely not um, a whole lot to get excited about for the Hornets this season. I mean, look at all the injuries and everything else. So that's part of the reason why, um, you know, I even asked LaMelo Ball after the game uh, on Wednesday against the Spurs, just how much they needed to feel good about themselves going to the All-Star break with a victory. He didn't didn't disagree, excuse me, um, because he knows – just how rough things have been this season. And actually, he's obviously been one of the rare bright spots for them. If you look at some of the things he's done lately, um, you know, basically nearly getting the triple-double in almost three straight games. Um, he finally got one against the Spurs. Uh, but he finished two rebounds, excuse me, one rebound shy in each of his previous two games before that one against the Spurs. So... LaMelo's been playing lights out, and that's one of the the things you can't hang your hat on um, if you're a Hornets fan and say that, you know, looks like he's, um, knock on wood, gotten back from the injury, uh, ankle injury that kind of, you know, shelled him for a better part of, you know, 20-plus games this season. And it's one of the reasons why the Hornets got to such a slow start because they were missing their best player, their engine out there. So at least – they can feel somewhat good about themselves right now, though. But um, as they go into the second half of the season, it's going to bear monitoring to see exactly how uh, Steve Clifford decides to use um, his rotations, figure out some combinations. Um, do some of the younger guys start playing a little bit more? And if so, how long does it take for that to kind of happen? Start dialing back some of the veterans. 
always questions or things that will obviously be answered as we move forward here toward the last two months of the season. But to me, that's going to be the the main focal point. Um, you know, it's going to be about growth. You know, it's something to ask Gordon Hayward about a couple of times. You know, as a veteran player, when you know you're out of the playoff hunt and it's all about, you know, just trying to get wins out there the same regard, how do you kind of balance winning with, you know, also a team that's trying to um, build some experience with its youth? And Gordon basically said you have to essentially just hang your hat on little small growth opportunities and hope that those are things that kind of help push you forward because, you know, sometimes it could be obviously difficult when you know that you're not playing for anything other than pride. Um, you don't want to go out there and get embarrassed. But um, that's going to be important for the Horns to see if they show a lot of professionalism here too as they finish these last few weeks here. Um, but in talking to Steve Clifford, um, he said it really hasn't been about effort this season. They've really given the effort, for the most part, at times that he's wanted. There's obviously been a, some occasions back-to-back certain defensive things where they've lacked but um, it's mostly been game plan mistakes that have cost them on top of the injuries um, not being able to be overcome. So it's been a combination of those things. But just for now anyway, for the Hornets to be riding a two-game winning streak, which, you know, again, doesn't sound like a whole lot. But when you look and see that they've only won multiple games on three previous occasions this season leading into their win over the Spurs. It's been that kind of season for the Hornets. So, again, at least they have the mellow ball to make you, uh, you know, put some some butts in seats per se because one of the things that was um, interesting to learn after the Spurs win was how LaMelo Ball is the second youngest player in NBA history to score a thousand points, gather a thousand rebounds, and distribute a thousand assists. The only other player to come such a feat, do such a thing at an age that was younger, that would be LeBron James. And it's pretty funny when LaMelo found it out, he actually guessed it was LeBron. So uh, he's not really into stats. He's kind of one of those guys who kind of just shuns those kind of things. Um, but I think even he would kind of, even though he, he made it seem like it was not a big deal, I'm sure he probably, in the back of his mind, said, oh, that, that's got to be pretty cool. So it's been a very, as we said, interesting two-thirds of the season here for the Hornets so far. Um, when they resume they resume in Minneapolis against the Timberwolves. So we'll look forward to seeing exactly um, how things pan out as they play their string of these last 20-plus games and get ready to head into offseason. It's going to have a lot of question marks surrounding how they're going to move this franchise forward after a really rough season. All right, time for this week's mailbag. And... Let's get right to it. 
we got some questions from Twitter, and one of them comes from Jamil, and his handle on Twitter is at Hornets underscore fan underscore 12. And the question is, thoughts on Mark Williams' offensive potential with the Hornets? That's a good question because actually that kind of came up after the game, um, and it was asked to Steve Clifford following their win over the Spurs um, in regards to Mark Williams and his potential. And Clifford actually mentioned that it's going to take a little bit, obviously, for Mark to develop his game. Um, it's not something he was noted as uh, coming out of college. He's noted more for his defense and rebounding and rim protection. But he thinks that eventually, you know, probably not next season, maybe a couple seasons from now, that Mark will be able to shoot three-pointers. And if that happens, that obviously expands a different part of his game and makes him a totally different weapon for the Hornets. So I think that he can become a uh, nice little player for him inside offensively. I think he can, you know, develop a couple of moves, maybe a little bit of a jump hook, um, you know, a little bit of a short pick-and-pop type jumper where – if he's doing a pick and roll with a mellow ball um, and the big is trying to, to roll down with mellow to keep him from scoring, if the mellow can kind of find Mark at the free throw line or a little bit underneath somewhere in the paint and he can hit that short jump shot, then that can be a really big um, beneficial thing for the Hornets, obviously. So really good question. Um, I, it's interesting kind of just watching Mark develop, um, but he – can be a player for the Hornets and they know that and he knows that and it's going to be um, imperative for him to develop the, over these next 22 games and make sure that he's doing everything he can to soak up as much knowledge from all the veterans so that way when he comes into the next season and is potentially once again starting um, he has all the experience up under his belt and he's that much more confident in his abilities that can go out there lead the Hornets um, in the paint and make them a much better team than they have been inside over the past couple seasons. You know, he could be an answer for them that they've been looking for. And I'm sure if that's the case, they'd be thrilled about that. So thanks again, Hornets fan 12 for the question. Appreciate it. Uh, The other question is question that kind of comes in a little bit at times. And it's kind of sometimes kind of baffling, obviously why it does, because I'm not really sure why people don't understand why he's not playing, especially when you consider Months earlier when he was playing, he wasn't playing very good. But the question is from Colby Trotter. It's at Colby T211 on Twitter. And is, is Book Knight, as in James Book Knight, going to get minutes? And the answer is no. Um, not anytime soon, anyway. Uh, that doesn't mean he won't play at, before the season is over. Um, it won't mean he won't get some some rotational um, part of the, the pie, per se, if that's what Steve Clipper wants to do. But right now, they have him playing in Greensboro because they don't think that the minutes that he's going to get up here with the main club would be enough if even he was out there on the floor. And he hasn't played in um, 11 straight games, and I believe it's just one out of his last 20 that the Hornets have actually um, had him out there on the floor. So the book night experiment, whatever you want to call it for right now, it's kind of being shelled. So the questions about him need to kind of cease because I don't see him getting any playing time over, say, Dennis Smith Jr. Um, Definitely not playing with Terry Rozier right now. LaMelo, as we mentioned earlier, is doing this thing. So there's not a lot. There's not any minutes out there for James Booknight right now. So I don't see anything happening in that regard. Again, can it happen 
later on in the season, we may be the homeowners to start really dialing things back and just having the young guys play um, just to make sure that there are no injuries and make sure that they're, you know, they're getting some experience. The younger players are, then maybe that happens then. But right now, he's not getting any minutes. So thanks again, Kobe, for the question. Appreciate it. Thank you guys again for submitting your questions. I really appreciate this part of the pod, as I tell you. And um, I, I really thank you for being interactive with me. Uh, I, I really enjoy it. All right. So now it's time for our main interview. And I had a chance to speak with Steve Clifford um, on Wednesday, uh, leading to the All-Star break, kind of just about where things are at with the Hornets himself, how much the team needs to break, um, what he's seen from LaMelo specifically that he likes, that he's improved upon this year, and a couple other things. So um, hope that you guys enjoy it. And here's Steve Clifford in his own words. Thanks, Coach Lunas, for me. I appreciate you giving me a little bit of time. Um, obviously, season, first half of the season is kind of over. As you talked about, it's more than just 41 games. Does it seem like the, the, the All-Star break comes a lot later now? Than oh, yeah. Been? No, for sure. I mean, we only got, uh, well, I don't know, 60. So, I mean, we've played basically three-quarters of the season. Mm-hmm. So, yes, for sure. Does it... Is it needed for everybody at this point? Do you, do you feel like the team, coaches, players need a mental break to kind of come back? And oh, for every team, it doesn't matter what your record is. I mean, it's it's you know you, you know you do it too. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the grind, and and it's good for everybody to have a refresh. I like the longer break personally. Um, it does make those first couple of games back like mm-hmm. you know it used to be three three days. You know, and now it's like for our team. We'll practice next Wednesday night in Minneapolis, you know, so we'll get seven. But the guys need the break, and it's good for everybody. You mentioned practice in Indianapolis. I mean, Minneapolis. What about that? Trying to get the guys, I guess, get a rhythm before you go and actually. Yeah, you're not going to be able to get a rhythm. You got to you got to be careful of injuries. Um, you come back. I mean, normally what you do is the first night is is uh, no contact at all. You have to be careful, super careful, and uh, the last thing you need is some. Um, you know, groin, calf, anything like that. And it happens all the time. So, and then the second day you can do, you know, like I'll tell them tonight after the game, the second day will be more of like a normal practice. But you just, if the bottom line is, is that the guys have to do stuff over the break here. Like if anybody's going to take every day off, they're going to be in trouble and so is the team. <laughs> I was going to ask you about that. So you want to be a little bit, I guess, active out there, not just I would, laying on the beach and doing I, two. I don't th- – well, I think you can do all of that. But, I mean, they, they can't not exercise or not touch a ball. Um, what is – when you characterize the first half of the season for you guys, you mentioned injuries are obviously a, a big thing. When you look back on it, what can you pull out that you can actually say I'm pleased about and what obviously do you want to prove upon moving forward? Well, I mean, I think that part's simple. I'm pleased with the way they've hung in there, their attitude, um, how hard we've played. You know, the effort has been the biggest positive. It's not easy, as you know, to to uh, lose in this league. Guys are prideful, um, and it's hard for them, and yet they've done a good job. Like, you know, we're playing hard. You know, we're competing hard. You saw again the other night. And um, that's important. It's an important trait to have within your your roster. And then, I mean, this is a general answer, but we have to play better more consistently, you know, which, again, every team is capable of good play, every team, mm-hmm. okay? Mm-hmm. But it's got to be, you don't give away possessions. You get to the point where you play 48 minutes, um, and that's the goal for these last, the next stretch. Who, if anybody, stuck out to you 
um, during the first 60 plus games that maybe you weren't anticipating playing either as much or as good as they have for you guys so far? Is it some of the younger guys? Like, it, like is, it, is it Nick? Is it Mark? Um, is it Bryce? Well, I, I think those guys have definitely been, I mean, they, because they've shown that they have the ability to be every night NBA players, I think that's, that's uh, good. I think PJ's played, you know, 56 games. I mean, I thought, whatever, I think he's missed one or two, right? Which has been good. I mean, a lot of it, to be honest, Rod, like I was just looking this morning, I mean, we tonight will be game sixty. I mean, Melo's played in just over half of them. Gordon's played in just over half. Terry's missed, I think, eleven or twelve. You know, so it's it's hard to judge guys. You know, when they're not playing the majority of the game. Yeah, would that be the toughest thing for you this year? Is when you have extra interviews in a couple of months here. Is having to actually figure out what worked. And what didn't because you haven't had any opportunities to actually see on the floor together. Like, how tough is that going to be to evaluate? Yeah. Well, you have to be careful because I think, again, like, for instance, Terry's a great, great example. If you look at in his in his minutes, of he had to play so many games where he was guarding the other team's best player and he had to take every – we were going through him constantly, is that he played well. But his efficiency wasn't as high because they were double teaming him. They're helping him early, and then his numbers since Mello, and then especially since Mello and Gordon are both back, are terrific. Mm -hmm. So I mean, you have to look at all of those things. Like the hardest thing about, you know, judging a player is a lot of it is always who are they on the floor with. You know, there are a lot of stories over the years of guys that. Look great playing with Steve Nash or playing with LeBron or something, and then on the next step, they weren't quite so good, and mm -hmm. that's the way basketball works. But then you mentioned that I guess that's the way Melo is, right? Because when people are playing with him on the floor, just how much different shot. do you see oh. guys like Terry and obviously even Kelly well, when he comes back? Just all those guys, just all of them. Yeah, yeah. you're going to get more wide open shots. He he's going to create help. He's going to either a small amount or a big amount. And then you mentioned his improvement for people who don't see things the way you do the coaches. Can you explain LaMelo's defensive improvements compared to last year, like what he's doing differently out there? Well, yeah, no, I, I mean, I think he's putting a lot more into it. Um, I think that he's starting in transition. He's getting back more, uh, doing a lot better job of getting back and helping us organize our defense. I think his individual defense is a lot better, but the bigger part is his team defense. That's where he's made the biggest jump. And then how is Dennis? Smith Jr., if, if it all helped him there. Because Dennis seemed like he's a beast out there. Oh, he's a great defender. Yeah. I mean, like, that's where the, you know, his his injury, you know, hurt him. You know, and he's right now just starting to get back mm -hmm. in the rhythm. Um, and just last thing is, can you explain the last 22 games? Um, what do you want to see most from those guys as you kind of move forward Just here? progress. Same thing. It's, all, it's never going to change. You want to be here. You want to – you can, like I told him the other day, you can sit down and say all these different things about the NBA. So I was going to come back to the same thing. You have to play at both ends of the floor if you want to be a good team. Okay. And actually, if you want to look at it, the defensive part is probably more important than the offensive part. But you've got to be really good at both to be to have a playoff caliber team. And you have a half a mentality to do both and a good plan to do both. And that's what you have to get to who plays good on offense and defense, and who doesn't give possessions away, make mistakes, 
have bad stretches of play in the game. That's the difference between the good teams and the teams that aren't as good. Thank you, sir, for your time. I appreciate you very much. to be on, no problem. As we look ahead now, post-All-Star break, the Hornets come out of the break, uh, as I mentioned earlier, to play the Timberwolves in Minnesota for the first game on Friday before we have to hot-foot it right back home and play the Miami Heat in Charlotte for a back-to-back that Saturday. So that's not easy to come out um, and, and of the break and, and have those two games. And then you have a game at home against Detroit um, after you have a day off, which we know is a winnable game, a team that you probably should beat to kind of give yourself, once again, a little bit of momentum, a little bit of confidence to kind of feel good about yourself, despite what people want to say about the whole Victor Wembanyama thing. Um, but then after that, they play the Suns at home um and who knows if buddy Kevin you know Durant will be playing for the Suns but either way the Suns will you know be having uh they have a CP3 most likely um you know coming in here trying to do his thing and we know how motivated he is when he comes to play in his home state of Carolina so not a very easy slate for Hornets coming out with their first four games you know to me I'm not sure they're going to get it more than two of those games. They're lucky. Uh, probably more like one. Um, and, you know, they could also go 0-4. It's not beyond the realm of possibility, you know, knowing how they sometimes can be so Jekyll and Hyde up and down. Um, but schedule has been brutal for these guys. About the only thing going for them is they have a lot of home games over the past you know, last two months of the season. But again, with them being kind of out of the race and not having much to play for other than pride, not sure how much that's going to make, you know, a, a big deal um, in terms of ration, rationing up a little bit of excitement. So tough slate for them coming out. We'll see how they handle it. All right. For this week's random stat, it goes to who else but LaMelo Ball. I mean, if you think about some of the things that he's been doing of late, it's kind of ridiculous. And as I wrote earlier in the week, um, leading into the All-Star break, um, after a game against the Hawks, you know, it's crazy kind of think that, you know, he was kind of um, being nitpicked a little bit in terms of his jump shot when he first came out um, of the draft and the Hornets selected him number three overall. Um, but since he's worked with Marlon Garnett, um, since the coach with the Hornets, you can see he's refined his jump shot. And he's now had a jump, a three-pointer in 48 straight games, which is a new franchise record. He broke the record um, with that three-pointer against the Hawks in that win on Monday leading to the All-Star break. And he passed Baron Davis for that mark, and he's 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 going. And to me at this point, in the, knowing him, he might hit one, in the final 22 games of the season, he's definitely going to try. We know that. Like, he's not going to not put him up knowing that that's a big part of his game now. But it's kind of just shows you how much he's improved, how much he's blossomed when he's hitting a three-pointer in 48 straight games. That's nothing to sneeze at. And it, it just can cement, once again, the thought process and – just the overall mentality 
bought by some people that the mellow can be something special. And he's shown you a lot of intangibles, but to me, hitting a three-pointer in 48 straight games just opens up other things for him. And it's going to be kind of scary potentially to see how just how good he can be if he can uh, keep improving on defense especially and become a two-way player out there that's getting steals and everything. So, But 48 straight games for a three-pointer, that's a pretty impressive feat for LaMelo Ball. Well, so there you have it. Many, many thanks to my guest, Steve Clifford. And thank you so very much for joining me for this latest episode of QC Hornets Nest. I'm Rod Boone. For more Hornets content, check out charlotteobserver.com. And for special offer to gain full access, click the link in my stories where it says, support my work with a digital subscription. All right, until next time, we out.